If you haven't already, please take your Bibles and turn over to the book of John in chapter 10. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible today, there should be one in the seat in front of you. Um, that may have been said earlier, but, but there you go. Um, we at Redeemer are working our way through um, John's gospel, and so this week we come to chapter 10, and what we see happening in John's gospel is as the gospel goes farther, as we get deeper into the gospel, Jesus is becoming more and more clear about who he is, and as Jesus becomes more and more forthright about who he is, the division about how to respond to him continues to grow wider and wider. So as Jesus becomes clearer about who he is, what he has come to do, and his relationship as the eternal, one and only, true son of the Father, who is God and man, as that becomes clearer and clearer, the division of how people respond to him becomes wider and wider. Because you'll notice at the end of this chapter, we have some people holding stones and Jesus fleeing from Jerusalem. And we have others racing across the river to meet with him and believe in him. And so as it becomes clearer and clearer who Jesus is, the response to him gets wider and wider. Now, typically, we don't do application in the introduction of a sermon, but we just break those rules here at Redeemer whenever we want to. And I would just simply submit to us, based on the last 10 chapters of John's gospel, that if when Christ is made clearer, the response to him gets wider, or the responses to him get wider, why should we expect any less when we share the gospel with others? Why should we expect any less when we proclaim the truths of the gospel in the world? Why should we expect any less when we go out and seek to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God? As Christ is made clear, the responses will get wider and wider. But the good news is the good shepherd has come to bring all of his sheep into his sheepfold so they can eternally experience his shepherding love and mercy. The good shepherd has come to bring all of his sheep into his sheepfold so they can eternally experience his blessing. And that is what Jesus is conveying in John chapter 10 with this story of a shepherd and his sheep. I think what's important for us to know right as we dive in this morning is for the people of Israel, who would have been in Jerusalem at this time, about three months before Jesus is going to die upon a cross. For those who were there listening, the metaphor of God being a shepherd and God's people being sheep would be a very common metaphor. I mean, we read it at our funerals. They would have celebrated it, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, how many of you were saying that in your heart and in your mind as I was reading it? Probably in the King James, right? That was a little more funny than that. Because throughout all time, God has chosen to reveal himself through this metaphor of a shepherd who loves his sheep. Why? Well, because for all of time until the last couple of centuries, people have been able to relate to that metaphor because they had interacted with sheep within the last week. And so this metaphor is a very rich and deep metaphor for those who are hearing. And and, and many of them have been praying, God, we are waiting on you to come back and reveal yourself as our shepherd who will minister to us and care for us and meet all of our needs. And so Jesus, in this chapter of the scripture, he jumps in. And he says, I am your God. I am your Messiah. I am your hope. I am the one who will minister to you and nurture you and care for you forever. This is what Jesus is claiming. So in short, what Jesus is saying is that he is the answer for sheep. Jesus is saying that he is the answer for sheep. And so that's our first point in this sermon, is Jesus is revealing that he is the answer for sheep, or the hope, as that says up there. See, I had it written two different ways in my notes, and I didn't know which one I turned in. So the hope for sheep, how about that? Or the answer. So in this story that we see in John chapter 10, we see kind of four main characters working their way through. We see sheep, we see hired hands, that's paid workers who kind of stand at the doorway making sure the sheep don't disappear. We see the door itself, the door to a sheep pen, and we see the shepherd. So there are four major figures in this story. The sheep, the hired hand, the door, and the shepherd. And not... Um, perhaps gratifyingly to us, we are the sheep. We're the sheep. And if you're, you know, young and think of sheep the way they're portrayed in cartoons and in Hallmark gift cards, sheep are sweet and cuddly and bah gently and make you sleep well at night. But that's not what anybody would have thought about a sheep here. They're loud, stubborn, annoying, smelly, dirty, need to be sheared. So think pigs with fur. Except acceptable in the Old Testament law, okay? But ceremonially clean, okay? There you go. That's a really bad analogy. But we're the sheep. And I think those hearing the story would have understood that they needed God himself to come and be their shepherd. That that shepherds care for sheep, love sheep, nurture sheep, lead sheep to green pasture, lead sheep to places where there is water, keep sheep from wolves. They knew that they needed a shepherd. And perhaps a sheep wouldn't have thought about it, but a sheep who lived in a pen 
with walls and a door where the only way for wolves to get in would be through the door, sheep are are greatly blessed by a good, strong, sturdy door. So those are the factors that Jesus is talking about. Now, when we hear about sheep and and shepherds and um, folds of sheep and all of that, we, we tend to think about shepherds out in the middle of starry fields with crooks in their hands watching their flocks by night and waiting to celebrate the Christmas story with us. But probably what Jesus is talking about here is not that. Think about a number of houses in the same location. We might call that a village. And all of them probably own a handful of sheep whereby they get the nourishment and the things that you need from sheep. But, but they work together to protect their sheep. And so near the village, there would be a pen. That's not what they would have called it, but that's what we would call it. Like, like a cage, a pen that would have walls and it would have a door. And that's where all the people of the village would keep their sheep. And that's most likely the scenario into which Jesus is speaking. He, that, that's the, the word picture. So think, like we think of dogs, like think sheep in a pen, and all the neighborhood's sheep are together in one place. That's the story about which Jesus is speaking. And into that metaphorical story, verses 1 through 6 and verses 7 through 18, Jesus says two things about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd, and that makes our soul sing, right? Like that, that rolls off the tongue, that strikes up feelings of, ah, yes, Psalm 23, I am the good shepherd. And thus far throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus has been very sophisticated and erudite in the way he's revealed himself. I am the living water. I am the bread of life, right? Before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd. But then we get this one that's just kind of perplexing. I am the door. I'm the door. Jesus is the door for your soul. So in this passage, Jesus reveals himself as the door and as the good shepherd. And so we need to kind of dig into that metaphor and say, okay, what is Jesus saying about himself inside this story about sheep and sheepfolds and watchmen and shepherds? What's Jesus trying to reveal about himself? Himself, And we see this most clearly in verses um, 7 through 18. So verses 1 through 6, Jesus tells this metaphor, and they don't understand, we're told in verse 6. So then in verse 7, he enters into it again, and this is what he says. Verse 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So Jesus is saying, I am the door. That doesn't feel to us profound. That doesn't feel to us deep. That doesn't feel like the answer to all the lingering questions of our souls. But yet, hear what Jesus says. Verse 9 again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So if you're one to mark in your Bible... Verse 9 would be a really important thing for you to mark. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So here's what Jesus is saying. The only path for a sheep to enter the fold of God is through Jesus. 
Jesus is saying the, the entry point into the kingdom of God, the entry point into the church, the entry point into the true Israel flows through Jesus because he is the door. So this is a meta, another metaphorical parallel to John chapter 14 where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. He, he's here saying, I am the door that doesn't preach as well at funerals. I'm the door and no one enters into the sheepfold, the herd of God's people except through Jesus. I'm the door. But not only that, but he says... They will be saved and they will go in and come out and find pasture. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So you see what he's saying? Is he's saying it's through me that you will come and go and walk into the places where the Lord is going to bless you and be with you and minister to you. Because the sheep didn't always stay in the pen. They would often go out with the shepherd to fields to be fed. They would go out to streams to have water. And what Jesus is saying is, through me you will enter God's kingdom. Through me you become the children of God. And through me you will find your blessing. Through me. And so Jesus is profoundly saying that it's only through him that we're able to enter into God's kingdom. And it's only through him that we're able to experience God's blessing. Now, some of us have heard this language so much. We're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it, I get it, I get it. But do we really? Our nourishment and our blessing flows through Christ. To grow in the faith, to experience God's grace and God's mercy and God's love and God's presence and God's work and God's healing and God's care and God's comfort, every bit of it flows to us through Christ who has defeated evil and defeated sin and defeated death for us. Jesus says, I am the door. That deserved that. But I guess we could have stopped there, but then Jesus is going to take this, this cake of blessing and he's going to cover it in the best cream cheese icing because he adds to it and he says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. So let's go back to our metaphor. The sheep are in a pen. There's a door. The door's really important. But the only person who can get through the door is the shepherd. And you could have a good shepherd or an evil shepherd. You could have a caring shepherd or a selfish shepherd. You could have a loving shepherd or a shepherd that just wants what he wants when he wants it and doesn't care about his sheep. And so Jesus says, not only am I the door, but I am the good shepherd. So think of yourself as a sheep. The door's your only way in and out. The only person coming through that door is a shepherd or a thief. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I mean, do you put those two together and see the proclamation that he's saying? 
everything that you could ever long for, need, care for, your presence in my kingdom and your work in my kingdom, every bit of it I am doing for you because I'm the door and I am the good shepherd. So Jesus says, Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. Now listen to what he says the good shepherd does. So this isn't 2018 preacher trying to read modern evangelicalism into Jesus. This is 2018 preacher just reading Jesus' words so they can stand for themselves. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd will not allow his sheep to be stolen, killed, harmed, or destroyed. He will lay down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they know know me. Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Now, this is really important. The word know in the scripture does not mean cognitive recognition. Okay? Like, I know cognitively that there is a police officer out there this morning. Did he show up today, by the way? Because Easter, we had no police officer. I'm sorry, I repent. I, I cognitively know that there's a police officer out there, and I cognitively know that his name is Osvaldo Herrera, and you should thank him when you leave today. But that doesn't mean that I know Officer Herrera, right? The word know here comes from the root in the book of Genesis where Adam knew Eve. I'll leave you to piece that together, okay? So what we're being told is the good shepherd intimately knows his sheep. He knows who they are. He knows what they need. He knows where they suffer. He knows where they sin. He knows where they're prone to stray. And because he knows all of that, he is able to care for them and protect them. And we're told that the sheep know Jesus. Now get your mind around that. That doesn't mean that we cognitively know there's a dude named Jesus that lived like 2,000 years ago and died on a cross. That's not what he means. What he means is we have experienced this Jesus in such a way that we know him. We have felt his love and we've responded with love. We have felt his mercy and we've responded with joy. We have felt his grace and we have embraced his forgiveness and we've responded with devotion and with yielding and with saying, my shepherd is with me and I trust my shepherd. My sheep know me and I know my sheep.
Jesus says again, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 16. So Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus cares for his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. The sheep know him. Verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Hear what Jesus is saying. I'm going to add to the fold. So yeah, I love you, and I care about you, and I know your needs, and I minister to your needs, but my kingdom's bigger than you. I'm going to add to your fold. And most likely to a bunch of Jews, he's alluding to the Gentiles. I'm going to add to your fold those whom you hate, whom you think are unclean, whom you think are unacceptable, and we're going to be one flock. Jesus, the good shepherd, has one flock. One church with a capital C from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. Every ethno-linguistic class, the poor, the rich, and everything in between, we are one flock. One. And Jesus is going to do it. He's the door. He's the shepherd. He's bringing them in. We don't get to decide. But we can participate. Verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So hear what Jesus is saying. I'm going to die for my sheep, and I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die for my sheep, and I'm going to rise again. And I have the authority to die for you and to rise for you, because the Father has given it to me, and he sent me. So hear what Jesus is saying. I make you every one of these promises on the authority of the Father. I make you every one of these promises on the authority of the creator of the heavens and the earth. I make you every one of these promises on the authority of the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make you every one of these promises on the authority of the totality of the scripture and the totality of every promise that God has ever made. I will protect my sheep. One more thing, just to be clear. Sorry, I got to find my place. I've lost it. Verse 28. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What Jesus is saying is the promises that I'm making to you today are for now and forever. The promises that I'm making to you today transcend this world and they carry into forever. So here's what Jesus is saying to a bunch of sheep. I'm your door and I'm your good shepherd. I'm your coming and your going. I'm the one who cares for you. I'm the one who nurtures you. I'm the one who walks with you. I'm the one who ministers to you. I'm the one who protects you. I'm the one who makes you a child of God, who brings you into the fold. I'm the one who will keep you in the fold. And this fold will last forever. So Jesus is saying that, in short, he is the hope for sheep. 
So I'm telling you that biblically speaking, you're a sheep. And Jesus is saying, I am your only hope. So that leads to our concluding question. How do we respond to the shepherd? So second point, responding to the shepherd. I think we're going to get some guidance for this in verses 1 through 6 and verses 31 through 38. Rather than putting them in the order that they appear in the text, I've tried to put them in a logical order for us. I have seven ways that we respond to the shepherd, and I have seven minutes to deliver this. Number one, sheep believe Jesus is the Messiah. So the question is, do I know Jesus? The clearest place this appears in the text is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. As we looked at earlier, the sheep who Jesus knows know him. So the question to us is, do we believe Jesus is our saving Messiah? Stay in verse 27. My sheep, what? They hear my voice. So the second point, sheep hear the voice of Jesus, which poses as this question, do you hear the voice of Jesus? Well, how do I hear the voice of Jesus? God has given us a pretty large book filled with the word of God, the revelation of who Christ is, and the words of Jesus. The more we attune our hearts to meet with God and hear God in his word, the more we are attuning ourselves to hear the voice of Jesus. And then the spirit of God who wrote the word of God dwells within us to reveal this truth to us to help us hear the word of Jesus. And so the question for us is, do you hear the voice of Jesus? I would challenge you. How many times in this passage did Jesus say, my sheep hear my voice? My sheep hear my voice. And how many of us, if we were honest, would say, my mind and my heart and my soul are cold to the word of God. My heart and my mind and my soul function as if God is not real, as if God is not in me, as if I don't belong to him and as if I don't know him. So my question is, are we attuning ourselves to hear the voice of our Savior? And I would contend that we attune ourselves to hear all kinds of other voices. And listen, there's nothing wrong with sports radio. There's nothing wrong with political television most of the time. There's nothing wrong with your favorite novel. There's nothing wrong with most of your favorite television shows. There's nothing wrong with the favorite games that we play with our kids. There's nothing wrong with 
personality profiles that help us understand ourselves and help us understand others. There's nothing wrong with commitment to particular types of workouts and particular types of dieting. But my point is we immerse ourselves into the totality of these things in such a way that we're attuning ourselves to hear those voices. You know what I'm talking about? And so my challenge is not out with all of that. My challenge is, will you so order your life that you would attune yourself to hear the voice of Jesus as much as you hear the voice of your favorite personality test or your favorite talk radio show host or your favorite TV show or your favorite food meal plan? You know what I'm talking about? You have so attuned yourself that you can walk into a restaurant and you can go, this place is not paleo-friendly, and walk out. That's fine. We're having carbs at my house for lunch. You enjoy your paleo lunch. That's fine. That's not in the Bible. Jesus doesn't take a side. There's no Garden of Eden diet. It doesn't matter. I'm just using it as an example. Would you attune your heart to hear your Savior the same way you attune your heart to the intricacies and the philosophical commitments of your favorite meal plan? Got any CrossFitters here? I want to see hands. We got CrossFitters here? Got, uh, there's more than one CrossFitter here. Come on. I got nothing against CrossFit. I actually wish I could look like you guys <laughs> without going to CrossFit. Um, But do you know why CrossFit works? Because it asks you to attune your heart to the philosophy of CrossFit, to the gym that you're a member of, and to the people that are there. And when you attune your heart to those things, you show up, and you participate, and you work out, and you get benefit. Man, I'm all for that. I'm not going to say any, there's no but. Except, will you learn from that and attune your heart to Jesus in the same way? Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Third, the sheep of Jesus follow Jesus. Same verse, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I got to do one more agricultural thing if I can. I've learned a lot this week about agriculture, because those of you who know me know that's like so far from me, okay? But perhaps when you think of a shepherd you think of the cattle drives out in Oklahoma in like the early 1920s, you know, guys on horses with, with whips like beating the cattle forward, right? That's not how Middle Eastern shepherds led their flocks. They simply walked in front of them and the sheep so knew their voice that all they had to say was speak to them and the sheep would follow the shepherd wherever the shepherd went. That's how Middle Eastern second or first century shepherds led their flocks. So Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the good shepherd, but I'm going to walk in front of you and I'm going to lead you toward green pastures and toward still waters that revive your soul and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you, but my disciples, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. So Jesus isn't going to browbeat us. Jesus isn't going to guilt us. Jesus has said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus has said that I came to build my kingdom and my kingdom is here now. And Jesus is building his kingdom. And Jesus is building his church. 
And the question is, for us as those who are a part of his sheepfold, will we follow him into what he is already doing? The crazy thing is he doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. And as he uses us, we'll experience more joy, we'll experience more blessing, we'll experience his power in new ways. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow Number four, these are going to go fast. Sheep are not attuned to other shepherds. Verse five, Jesus says that sheep will not follow other shepherds because they're attuned to the voice of their shepherds. So see everything I said earlier, I preached that one out of line. Number five, sheep welcome those the shepherd adds to the fold. Jesus said, I'm going to add to the fold and I don't have two folds, and I don't have a hundred folds, and I don't have a thousand folds, and I don't have a black fold or a white fold, or a Middle Eastern fold and a North American fold. I have one fold, and I'm going to add to my fold. And so the question for us is, can we get over all of our junk so that we can delight in Jesus adding to his fold? What if this church looked totally different racially and ethnically in 50 years? Would we lament that or celebrate the fact that Jesus is adding to his fold? What if we started having to have somebody come up and preach in, in Spanish because more people here speak Spanish than they do English? Would we feel pushed out of our church and lament the cultural loss or would we celebrate the fact that Jesus is building his fold through us? And interpret it into English for all of you monolinguistic folks like me. What if our church gets so filled with poor homeless people that the majority of our life is helping people figure out how to pay bills and get a job and teach their kids how to read because they don't know how to read themselves? What if that's what our church looks like? Will we lament that, that we're not upper crust, middle, upper class suburbanites who hide from the world? Or will we delight in the fact that God has saved his people and added to his fold. I lied when I said I was going quickly. We're going to keep going for a minute, okay? What if the mayor's, the mayor of Nashville's proposed transit bill passes? I'm not speaking to that. But what if it passes and all of a sudden people that Hendersonville has built itself to keep out can get in? And what if this neighborhood changes? What if it's filled with people that don't look like us, don't speak like us, have needs, are filled with sin, have no cultural Christianity, and our neighborhood is not a positive and uplifting place as it was when this building was given to us for free? Well, guess what? God still gave us this building for free. God still put us here. And will we joyfully delight in building his kingdom of people of all different types? Or will we lament the fact that it's not what we want it to be? Man, that when Jesus said, verse 16, there will be one flock and one shepherd, we all need to circle that and we all need to start preparing our hearts for that because we all have places where we put up walls and we don't want to go. I really want to keep, I'm going to stop. So sheep, that was number five, welcome those the shepherd adds to the fold. Number six, sheep belong to a fold. Sheep belong to a fold. 
do you see anywhere in this metaphor of Jesus taking you aside into your personal space and only focusing on your personal needs? Now listen, Jesus knows you intimately. Jesus cares for you intimately. Jesus ministers to you personally. He does. But he does that for all of his sheep all at once because he's always and everywhere. We're a part of the fold. We're a part of the people. And as much as I want you to personally know that you belong to Christ and he has personally set you free from the bondage of sin and death, I want you to know that Jesus has saved you into his people. And we express our faith as his people. And we need one another as his people. There's a whole sermon there. Number seven. Sheep live without eternal fear. Sheep live without eternal fear. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You hear that? I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Let that sit. So yeah, Jesus wants us to hear his word. Yeah, he's calling us to follow him. And yet, here he is saying, if you belong to me, I am with you always. Nothing will separate you from me. I will keep you. I will protect you. I will walk with you. I will minister to you. And so, Christian, you can take Psalm 23, and you can read that as Jesus is the answer to this psalm, and God is that committed to me if I'm in Christ. So the worship team, you guys can go ahead and come. The invitation to us today is, am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? And if I am in Christ, will I hear his voice? Will I follow him? And when I, will I rest in his salvation?